Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. All characters during the show, such as Donatella Iglesias, Jimmy Coconuts, and Tyler Jerry are copywritten and are satirical. Any similarity to any persons living or dead is completely coincidental. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! I know the human being and science can coexist peacefully. This was now finding. God damn it, you're handsome, Sean. It's amazing. Sean says he's gaining weight, and yet all I can see is new muscle. No, I got some mm, of that. I got like the, the corona belly. I noticed, though, so our Spotify statistics say that our viewership skews female. Well, they wish they were viewing you. Okay. Because you're a platonic ideal of a specimen, Sean. Wow. Yeah. We're Oof. really going to town on this. I want to sculpt you. Talk, talk us into the episode. Call me Sean. <laughs> I'll call you Nathan. Let's, let's get started. Call me here. by your name. Just say your words. Guys, this is Peachy Dish. My name is Nate. I'm Sean. This is our part two on bats. We spent our last bat episode kind of shitting on bats a little bit, talking about them in the context of being disease reservoirs. We see bats all the time in the news now because they're killing mankind. <laughs> but apparently the bat lobby, bat scientists, they called up Sean in his sleep, <laughs> in his dreams. and his... Sean knew ahead of time that bats are actually really awesome creatures. And part of the reason they're reservoirs that have a lot of interaction with humans is because they're so vital to their ecological niches. Or they're vital in their ecological niche. So, if you talk about bats as disease reservoirs, it is logical and necessary to talk about bats in their remarkably important functions in their environments. Yeah, bats are awesome and weird and cool, and I think that it's worthwhile to dig into all of those things. My wife wants pet bats, which I think is illegal, (laughs) but she wants to build a bat house. Sean told her that you could build bat houses so bats live there. Yeah. So I'm about to have a lot of corona-infested neighbors. (laughs) But they're going to eat my mosquitoes, too. Let's talk about how cool bats are after this. Bats, bats, bats. Get some coconuts! God damn it, you haven't heard from me for a while! Ah! <laughs> I've been warning ever since Bernie lost. He was the only one who's going to redistribute coconuts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I just learned that like my friends who like Bernie actually also listen to this pod. Sure. So I'm glad Bernie's dropped out now, so I'm not going to make fun of Bernie's people. Because <laughs> I don't want to poke that bear, you know what I'm saying? I don't even... Was that a joke to say that Bernie would redistribute coconuts? I was kind of... You know, I voted Bernie. Yeah. I am sad that we're not going to redistribute coconuts. Agreed. But, you know, I mean, that's the thing is, like, people assume the political future is locked in. It's like, we don't know what a Biden administration would be like in this context. People didn't know what the FDR administration is going to be like. Because he was just, like, some idiot playboy who's, like, uncle was awesome. Right? Yeah. And he was like a total idiot, right? By comparison. And people were like, oh, fuck, FDR's gonna be president? And FDR would be like, we're going to have a brain trust. And people were like, you're dumb as shit. <laughs> and then he turned out to be a very important president. Yes. Abraham Lincoln was just some like bumblefuck, closeted dude just banging in log cabins. All right. <laughs> let's get back. <laughs> Sean, why don't you play with me? No, shut up. Let's do this. <laughs> James Buchanan. Okay, guys. So, bats are useful. Yeah. How? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so one of the things to say about bats is that they are very good at killing bugs. Well, back up. I fucking love bugs. Sure. Okay, how do we support that? 
some of the insects that bats eat are pests, like mosquitoes, midges, crop beetles. And of course, eating even beneficial insects is a good thing inside a food web. I mean, that's just like the environment working. So I'm just being silly. But they also eat bad things. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, including, like I said, mosquitoes, which are very dangerous disease vectors. Yeah. I mean, herpes, gonorrhea, (laughs) HPV. Yeah. Not not any Uh, of those, but yeah. AIDS, COVID-2. We have an episode called Bite Me. People can listen to to hear more about the ones that mosquitoes That's like our best episode. You like it a lot? Yeah, man. It's a great (laughs) title. It's called Sass Mouth. So when bats are at like peak hunger levels... They can eat 70 to 110% of their body weight in bugs in one night. I mean, that's cool, but I mean, they're flying a lot, so they probably burn a lot of energy, right? And yep. second, their weight's like two ounces, right? So they're just really eating two they, ounces they, of bugs. They are usually very light. Something like two ounces to like maybe like a pound or two or whatever. Although I will say, if anybody wants to Google flying foxes, they are very cool looking and they are pretty large bats. Right. But the equivalent, obviously, I mean, this is... It's almost banal to say this. It's so stupid. But this would be the equivalent of some guy eating like 200 pounds of burgers, which only really happens at the Heart Attack Cafe, which I think is now closed because too many people died eating their body weight in burgers. I mean, in a certain sense, it's really impressive that they can double their body weight and keep flying okay. Right. right? I mean, like, it's interesting that they have that built in that they can do that. It's kind of cool how just like physics scales like that, right? It's like if you drop me from 50 feet up. I'll fucking, you know, probably die. <laughs> I mean, I haven't done it. But maybe I'm like a superhero. But but if you drop like a beetle from the equivalent, it just like bounces a little bit. Right, right. right. Yeah, there, there are I'm, some differences there. Yeah. He threw a human some wings and there's like really OP wings. Angel, Angel from X-Men. But then he ate 200 pounds of cow. He wouldn't fly. <laughs> right. Yes, agreed. <laughs> anyway, that's also still kind of banal. So bats can fly good. Yeah, as a, a study of 300 bat colony in Indiana found that they ate something like 6.3 million insects in a year. And they couldn't have killed Mike Pence? <laughs> okay, they were there, and they did nothing? Yeah, I don't even think they tried. Yeah. <laughs> they flew past Mike Pence and were like, I don't agree with his policies, but he's a human being and I don't need humans. Yeah, what dicks? Yeah. What, what are they thinking? I bet they're not even Democrats. I bet your bats are nonpartisan. <laughs> oh, shit, that's a good point. Independence. <laughs> yeah. Or Green, Green Party, those fucks. Okay, so here's the thing. A lot of bats are insectivores, okay, and that they do eat insects. But some bats are frugivores. They only eat fruits. The infamous fruit bat eats fruit. Yes, and almost all mega bats are fruit-eating bats. Like really big ones, really big bats. Yeah. The kind of the bigger set of bats, like flying foxes, giant flying foxes. George Clooney. Yes. (laughs) I am the bat. Um (laughs) They usually eat fruit instead of eating little insects and everything. Okay. And some microbats still will eat fruit or nectar. Sure, okay. and that's good for the same reason of birds doing that, or really any animal. You start to spread those seeds, that plant spreads, get right. more fruit, baby. Right, and agave is a classic example of a bat-pollinated plant. I don't right? like agave, though. No, you don't? You know, I feel like I've had an agave drink once, but agave is one of those things I can't really isolate the flavor you talking you know? about like uh, the agave nectar specifically, or are you talking about the agave into tequila and We've mezcal? successfully identified the fact I don't know what agave really is. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> okay. Birds and insects, like bees or whatever, are typically bigger contributors to pollination. Right. Okay. So usually... <laughs> Till we kill all the bees. <laughs> right. So bees aren't doing so hot. But usually like a lot of the flowers or something that bees will pollinate aren't necessarily the ones that bats will pollinate. Like, sure. They have different ones that they specialize in. But bats are still there doing that work. I think the bigger place where it comes in with plants is seed dispersal. Okay. Because birds 
do some seed dispersal. Bees can do maybe a tiny bit of like spreading pollen around. Right, but bats eat the fuck out of some fruit and they drop that shit. Right, and so with birds, a lot of times you'll find seeds dropped the most where their nests are. Okay, that makes sense. So where they're nesting or where they're kind of hanging out in trees, you'll see right. much more of the seeds kind of around They'll like area. bring it back. Yeah. But bats eat that shit and are flying and then they shit that shit straight back out. Right, so bats fly for a long enough period during the night that they will have finished digesting the fruit Damn. and shit out the seeds. Again, they have a super high metabolism. Yeah, and, and so they can actually disperse it around in a much larger area. They often travel further than birds do in a given period, kind of like primates. And so they can spread seeds a couple kilometers away. Right. Okay, so that's much further. And that kind of spreading of seeds can probably help contribute to the restoration of forests and jungles after damage, like fire or something like yeah. that. That won't have any problem kind of flying through an area and just pooping. Right. Well, damn. Well, that's crazy, man. Fucking seeds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so on that topic of bats pooping. Right. So this is the infamous guano. Yeah. I've heard a lot about guano. I've heard there's whole caves in Chile and Argentina where the local people just <laughs> right off the cave floor. <laughs> what the fuck? No, because guano is like so high in nitrates and phosphates, right, bro? Yeah, but why would you want to eat that? I don't know, dude. I don't judge indigenous cultures nah, like you do. Look, okay, Mr. Scientist. First of all, something that I learned <laughs> that this is a little bit of a non sequitur. Okay. Guano does not exclusively apply to bat poop. Yeah, I've heard it referred to with bird poop before. Yeah, yeah. Usually or often seabird poop. Right. It's just guano's the good shit. And it's also easy to harvest, right? Like, because bats all go to the same cave or something. I actually was teaching AP Euro, mm -hmm. and I was teaching about, like, industries that declined around the Great War period, and it was like, and then the decline of the nitrate and phosphate guano industry in, in South America, and I was like, <laughs> I had to, like, reread that <laughs> sentence. I mean, but that's a big deal. Like, guano, their guano's the good shit. Primo guano. Yeah, and so being very nitrogen-rich, it's very good as a fertilizer, Okay. It can also be used for things like gunpowder and explosives and stuff like that, right? Yeah, the cool stuff. But I think realistically, its main use, even for humans, was actually as a fertilizer. Right. And one of the things was that there was a lot of chemistry that was done to being able to artificially create nitrates and phosphates for fertilizer and gunpowder use without having to use guano. Right. Because it was kind of resource intensive in certain areas in the world, right? right? But to get back, to step away from the human side of it, what yeah. you referred to, because their guano is so nitrogen rich, it's vital in their ecosystems. Right. And so bats actually spread their guano out a lot. You were talking about how they build up in caves, which is definitely true. They definitely shit it out in right. caves when they're just hanging out. But they're out. also flying and pooping. Right. And so that means it's very good at actually spreading those nutrients around in the ecosystem. Okay. So that means that they'll go fly to an area that's already nutrient rich, like some jungle kind of area where, you know, it's a, a lowland valley and there's lots of fruits and they kind of eat those fruits and they take those nutrients and then they can fucking fly uphill. Yeah. Right. And that means that they can move things around in a way that a lot of other animals don't. shit. Yes, the yeah. wealth. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Wealth redistribution. Wow. Yes, exactly. Such communists, <laughs> these bats. And so there's a lot of plants that, of course, love to grow in guano-rich soil. But also there's a lot of bugs that live in guano. So it provides Gross. like a little fun home for spiders Gross. and scorpions and beetles. <laughs> Sounds like an awesome adults from show. Like, bat shit, fun house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Millipedes and centipedes and flies. There's all these uh, insects. All my favorites. <laughs> And so I think people 
sometimes think about the weird stuff that lives in caves. Right, all those like real pasty ass fucking yeah. Caucasian fish. Yeah, yeah. The cave salamanders are blind cave fish that are all like yeah. white and see-through and everything. What do they eat? Right. They must get their nutrients somewhere. Yeah. And so that nutrient influx, they don't eat the guano. But they might in, eat, eat the, the fungi or the or bugs. The fungi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the stuff that can grow in the cave because the bats brought the nutrients in. Mother Nature is so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Quick reiteration, we had referred to human. Bats are great for bombs. Yep. Bats are great for all sorts of industrial tools of mass slaughter. Yeah, so I don't personally advocate for this, but bats are often hunted for bush meat in like Southeast Asia and have a lot of protein and vitamins and shit or whatever. Right. And these human uses of bats, specifically that one as bush meat, refers back to our last episode. What's one of the ways people get diseases from bats? Right. Eating them. Right. Interfacing with them in that sense. Yeah. So like I don't advocate that. But what I'll also say is that bats, specifically vampire bats, have something called salivary plasminogen activator, which is the thing in bat spit that keeps the blood kind of flowing. That's cool. And it's actually been used in humans to treat strokes. Strokes can happen because of blood clots. That's super cool. This treatment can help kind of keep the blood flowing instead. You know, I joked about bushmeat. People don't get it from literally eating bat, right? Because usually you would cook the bushmeat. Isn't it more like in the process of hunting them or something like that? It's the like, interaction, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going where they are, for right. example. It's like increase. SIDS and HIV. It's like it's not like a bunch of people were fucking monkeys. But in the course of hunting them, in the course of eating bushmeat, it hopped to humans somewhere in the 60s, right? It's just the more interaction that we have with any particular with animal, any sets of animals, right. you increase the odds of something jumping. Right, right, right. All right, so let's take a break. And then when we come back, now that we've gotten through how bats can be useful to the environment and to us, let's talk about how bats are, are weird and cool. Super cool unto themselves. Coronavirus and Bud Light seem a whole world apart. But to these guys, they both mean something terrible. COVID-19 means ration care, dying loved ones, and quarantine. And Bud Light means beer, tasteless and shitty, the last thing in the back of your fridge to give you cold solace. Whenever you're trapped by a seasonal flu, you better poison yourself with our brew. Good old Bud Light barely better. America's choice for a quarantined beer. Guys, we're back with Petri Dish. And Sean, I think when people think of bats, the first thing really, of course, is they think of strange flying mammals. How did bat wings evolve? Bat wings are basically kind of like webbing in between their fingers. So bat wings, they actually have bones set up within them that are the phalanges Dude, I saw a Welsh guy with that. With webbed fingers? He can't fly, though. <laughs> yeah. I guess not. <laughs> he did slap me, though. <laughs> uh, and so bat wings are actually like a really fascinating physical setup. They have a lot of capillaries and everything running in there. I mean, like, it's actually skin that makes up their webbing. Cool. Right. So birds have these feathers and stuff like that over their actual wings. I mean, you've seen chicken wings or whatever. They're these kind of like weird little yeah. meaty things. But then the actual full wing has all of these feathers on it to give it kind of more area. Not bats. Bats, the whole area is their tissue. It's, it's actual skin in between their bones and shit, right? Huh. And bats actually do up to 10% of their gas exchange through their wing. 
almost all gas exchange in humans happens in our lungs, right? Mine is through my skin. <laughs> I'm like an amphibian. <laughs> yeah, right. So some amphibians or a good number of amphibians can do gas exchange through this. That's thing. why I dance naked so much. Because I'm actually just trying to breathe. <laughs> yeah, just, just trying to get that oxygen. <laughs> trying to live. But bats, the skin on their wings is enough of their body size and is thin enough, but still has a lot of blood kind of in that area that they actually can exchange oxygen and CO2 through their wings. Right. So they do 10% of their breathing through their wings. That sounds terrifying to me. That sounds so destroyable, right? Like, if they cut a wing, aren't they just fucked then? Like the- so bats do damage their wings and are surprisingly good at healing their wings. That's uh, like pretty that, impressive. A lot of times you'll find bats that have clear signs of damage and healing to their wings. Right. Just- Whereas birds are shit, dude. Like, birds, like, you break a feather... The bird could bleed out. They just explode. Like yeah. Bombs. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching this video on YouTube, Clint's Reptiles, and he was trolling and did a video on, like, whether it was a good idea to keep an owl or not. Mm-hmm. To which the answer was, like, really, really emphatically no. Mm-hmm. And he was like, owls just die on you, man. <laughs> like, like, they break a feather. to just fucking blow up, like you said. <laughs> yeah. So bats are, I think, really, their wings are really impressive structures. Okay. And so, like, it allows them to have a lot more lift out of their wings, like an aerodynamic lift than birds get. Uh, I mean, it makes sense because they're like more evolved, right? Whereas birds are just bullshit tiny dinosaurs. No, we're, we're, we're all evolved equally much. Right, right, right. But, um, Important thing about evolution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think there's a different set of priorities as far as the kind of evolutionary track that things took. Because sure. bats definitely are better at per flap of their wings getting more out of it than birds. Right, they're more efficient. Um, but birds are very, very good at gliding. So right. they can glide for very long distances. And also different birds are evolved for different things, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's definitely true that some birds are more maneuverable than others. There's actually a really interesting video that I saw. So it's only been recently that we've been able to take extremely high, I guess, speed videos where you can slow them down a lot. Right. Especially out in like the wild, yeah, so to speak. Right. And so they were taking these videos of bats because if you see a bat cave and you see bats flying out of a bat cave, there's thousands of bats flying out. Right. And they're flying out like all at once, just like this huge, just like fucking swarm of bats coming out. It's kind of amazing they don't all just bump into each other. Right. And so in this video, they slowed it down and bats do bump into each other. <laughs> they bump into each other like all the fucking time. Sure. They keep they keep doing, there's all these air collisions. And it just turns out that like bats can bump into each other and just like get their wings tangled up and all this shit, disentangle themselves, and then keep flying as if nothing happened. Right. So they're just extremely adaptable and maneuverable, and they're just very good at doing that kind of stuff. Right. Whenever we look at wild creatures, I think it's easy to fall into a mythology of wild creatures like having perfect instincts. Right. And actually, they're just bumbling morons. They just like, like humans <laughs> find ways to get out of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think there's probably an entire chunk of the bat field that just studies like all the weird shit about bat wings. But wings are... Not just their greatest strength, their greatest weakness. They lose water out of it. Right. So the same thing about the gas exchange. Another kind of gas you can lose is water vapor. Right. And so actually they have a lot of water that evaporates out of their wings. And so they can dehydrate a lot. Motherfuckers got to eat a lot of shit, get that water back. And flying also, like we talked about in the last episode, uses up a lot of energy. And so also, you know, just the act of flying means that they burn a lot. Being so weirdly porous must be harder to achieve homeostasis, right? Like, what's up with bat temperatures? Yeah, so bat body temperature is interesting. They'll end up doing something called torpor. So it's kind of like Wasn't a... Wasn't torpor a villain in an episode of Venture Brothers? The know. torrid zone. I'm thinking about something else. <laughs> <laughs> so, so 
Torpor is kind of like a little mini hibernation that they go into pretty much daily. It, it's kind of like a certain kind of nap. It's like where, a siesta. Yeah, except humans try to keep a pretty constant body temperature. Bats, Not Spanish people. <laughs> Not siesta. No, even... Even, even Spanish people. Even Spaniards. <laughs> okay, you just made it racist by saying Spaniard. Okay, no. it's very PC until then. <laughs> But bats, when they go into the state of torpor, which is kind of like a nap, will actually drop their body temperature to basically ambient room temperature. They will stop keeping their bodies elevated. Like, our body temperature is always above room temperature, pretty much, right? We're always keeping it in, like, 98 or something, you know, around there. Right. Bats will let it drop down all the way to, like, basically room temperature in the 70s. Jeez. And then, when they need to, they'll wake back up and then heat back up a little bit. But they don't actually heat up that high. Like, bats, in general, have a relatively low body temperature compared to other mammals. Yeah, which is sort of interesting. I think part of that is because they're trying to conserve their energy and not lose too much out of their wings as much as possible. But it does mean that they have very dynamic swings in their body temperature, almost unlike any mammal that I'm aware of. How? How do they do that? What the fuck? Yeah. Why are bats so different, Sean? (laughs) No other creature on Earth. Protist or otherwise. <laughs> it's so strange. <laughs> How do bats do that? I mean, to be fair, human beings can have their temperature dropped down without having serious life effects. Sure. Every member of the Skarsgar family <laughs> actually operates at like 55 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> I mean, so like you can do things to like artificially cool down a person and induce like a medical coma and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, and that's kind of like hibernation, but way worse. <laughs> it's more dangerous. Like, <laughs> yeah. A lot of people aren't built to come out of that very well. Right. But I would say cooling a person down to non-freezing temperatures is safer than heating them up. <laughs> okay. So I would say same for bats. Although apparently fevers might be good for the immune system. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. That's a little prequel, guys. A little preview for our next episode on the immune system, the science of sick. Yes. We'll, we'll get there later. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, we, we will get there. Whoa! I forgot that was in that episode. Anyway, okay. Yeah, so that means that a lot of times bats will enter into this torpor state you know, when they're like hanging upside down in a tree or something, and it's like the middle of the day, it's kind of hot, a lot of evaporation could happen, so they just kind of hang out. That's why that's the easiest time to stone a bat. (laughs) (laughs) Don't, don't stone bats. Yeah. Um, Their hanging system. Thanks, Gavin Newsom. Their hanging system is kind of cool, because the way that their legs and foot kind of tendons and muscles are arranged are so that their feet naturally close when they're not flexing. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Okay, so that basically makes it so that they don't need to be, like, constantly flexing all the time to hang out there. That's how I think Uncle Blair wanted to design a toilet, so that it was always up, and your ass had to bring it down, because he was like, I'm sick of having to put the toilet seat down for ladies. Dad thought it was a good idea, too, and he's like, maybe we should invent that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like that, but with bat feet. It's, it's amazing how your brain works. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like someone should should film my brain in high-def, high-motion cameras. <laughs> it's like a cheetah. <laughs> <laughs> so bats hanging upside down. Another thing about that is they're small enough, and they actually have sort of like this vein pumping situation. Gross. That makes it so that... I never want to say pump at me again. <laughs> <laughs> so they can hang upside down without like all the blood rushing to their head, mm, right? Okay. Which is something that would happen. Useful. To yeah. Yes. That's pretty fucking cool, man. Yeah. That's some stuff about bats, their body temp right. flying around. But amongst things that bats are famous for, 
It's like we've got wings. Bats fly. Okay, cool. We yep. talked about that. We've got bats as disease reservoirs. Look at the last episode. The other thing that's pretty famous is the infamous <laughs> bats fucking use sound waves to fucking fly and shit. Yeah. So what the hell? Echolocation is a pretty incredible thing that bats evolved around 53 million years ago. Right. And keep in mind, then it was only 53 million laters. Whoa. <laughs> 53 good. million years later, Stevie Wonder finally invented in humans. <laughs> it took 53 million years for us to get to Stevie Wonder. <laughs> and bats have been doing it for that long. So that's pretty amazing. So what's interesting is not all bats echolocate. Oh. There's actually some bats. <laughs> that one shitty bat that everyone picks on? Well, actually, there are entire species of bat that do not echolocate. Damn. So, so for example, mega bats do not echolocate and instead use really good eyesight and smell to find okay. fruit. I think because the stereotype about bats is they don't see well. It really depends on the bat. Yeah, and I would say even the bats that echolocate a lot, they see relatively well. Okay. Like in a lot of cases, their night vision is at least as good as ours, if not better. Mm-hmm. And their daytime vision is worse than ours. That's kind of the general that trend. makes sense. Yeah, they're not awake during the day. Anymore. Hey, why are bats nocturnal? Are there day, uh, diurnal? Are yeah. there diurnal bats? Yeah. Okay, there are. Okay. Yeah, but they're usually they're fruit-eating bats. Right. Whereas at night, you got like all the insects buzzing around because it's cooler. We're going to eat those little fuckers. Right. And I think there's a lot of interplay between when insects show up. Some of the timing of insects might also relate to trying to avoid predators during the daytime when for some animals, it's easier to see. Right. And so bats kind of shifted to the nighttime when the insects are out because the insects were avoiding predators. And then now the bats need a way to find them, blah, blah, blah. This amazing game of cat and mouse. Exactly, yeah. And bat and bug. So this kind of back and forth thing. Anyway, echolocation. Yes. What the fuck? So bats that do echolocate are very cool. And actually, bats can echolocate in several different ways. So some of them, or most of them, the traditional way of doing echolocation is like a chirp that actually comes from their vocal cords. Cool. Right? But some bats that have previously lost the ability to echolocate and then re-evolved it use tongue clicks. What? So they'll actually, like, click their tongue. Yeah, like, gosa. Yeah. Right. And then they'll be able to echolocate using that instead of a chirp from their throat. Dude, African bats are amazing. (laughs) (laughs) They learned that from local people. (laughs) And so the sound signals are actually kind of complex, and the way that bats interpret them is pretty crazy. So basically, bats can usually vary how often they send out their signals, what frequency those signals are, whether they use frequency modulation or single frequency chirps, how much strength they put into their chirps. Like all of that stuff can be varied by bats. Hey, so who invented frequency for humans? Invents obviously the wrong word. Who like discovered sound wave shit in humans? Yeah, that's Forf- a, I keep on saying inhumans. That's a good question. The first time I remember... I mean, so Hertz probably had something to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> but the first time I remember hearing about those kinds of things about frequency go back to Isaac Newton times. Right, sure. Right? Where they're kind of figuring out frequencies of all sorts of shit. Right. Or like maybe sounds similar. Right. It's and also I, invisible, but also a thing, clearly. Right. And I think that part of that discovery came out of strings vibrating on like violins or something. And mm. you know, see like there's resonant frequencies of mm. the vibrations. So how does 5G fuck? With <laughs> 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 uh, I want to write a show that's Hertz's bat. 
and it's about this bat that speaks to Hertz in like these little <laughs> frequency thingies, and and Hertz is like, oh yes, yes, <laughs> and everyone thinks he's crazy when he's a boy, and he gets bullied a lot, but then he's like, I'll prove them all. Nice, <laughs> yeah, nice, yeah. So one of the things about bats is they can often disengage their ears before they chirp, so they don't deafen themselves. That's pretty funny, which is a good idea. Stacy does that to me all the time. <laughs> she disconnects her ears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the interesting things is that they can hear really small frequency changes in the return echo. That's obviously how they can tell how far away something is. And then a lot of other aspects of whatever they just located using the echo. Damn. So bats change the frequency range that they use based on the size of their prey. Okay. Smaller stuff works better with higher frequencies. Sure. But higher frequencies often drop off faster from longer distances. Right. So there's kind of this trade-off. Sometimes they'll change which frequency they're using. If they're further away, they'll use a longer frequency, but then they'll shift to a higher frequency one once they're getting closer. Why can't we do that? Why can't we go and then like find the mosquitoes? Well, you can make the sound all you want. It's the ear part and the interpretation of those signals right. that we're not as good at. So could I take some bat antibodies and put them in my brain? <laughs> <laughs> Be like, whoa! I mean, the Doppler radar signals and everything right. like that is exactly how we use technology right. to try to do what bats can do the fourth discontinuity <laughs> man and machine <laughs> so bats can also change how frequently they chirp right usually when they're getting closer to prey they'll chirp more often right because they're trying to get more updates on where the position is right that's fucking cool dude they can also perceive the doppler effect okay and so the doppler effect is when frequencies change based off of the relative velocity that means as things moving toward you sound different than when they're moving away from you. It's like with cars, right? When you're driving in a car and there's like a siren going, you can hear the siren change how it sounds as it's passing you, right? Yeah. Like it's not just volume. It also sounds like the pitch changes. Right, sure, yeah. Right, that's the Doppler effect. Bats can use the Doppler effect to tell, oh, I know where that moth is, but I also know is that moth flying toward me or away from me? That's pretty cool. So Sean, if you could have one animal superpower, would it be echolocation? <laughs> now I'm thinking through every possible animal superpower. I think I'd either want to be a honey ant so my ass could store a lot of honey. <laughs> it already does! <laughs> I know, right? But even more honey. <laughs> a badonkadonk's worth of honey. Uh -huh. Or my second one would be I want to like be able like sharks to read magnetic waves. But of course it only works while I'm swimming so I like really feel tormented and I just walk the beaches because I also like maybe my dad died in the ocean when I was a child because I didn't save him in time so I'm just like I'm just like my power is useless. I couldn't save him i'm also a human so i don't swim that fast so if i remember correctly you did not read these notes right uh, <laughs> because bats maybe can use magnetic fields too oh shit great segue <laughs> yeah. on purpose <laughs> all right so some bats especially migratory ones that travel long distances are thought to be able to detect the earth's magnetic field and are sensitive to changes in it. This is true of some birds as well, right? It's thought to be like true of migratory birds animals in general. Yeah. This is super useful. Right. And so it seems you like... You need to know where the gamma rays are coming in. <laughs> it seems like they use the magnetic field at night when they're flying on their migration path, along with the position of the sun at sunset. So like they'll wake up, check to see where the sun is at sunset. Right. Get their astrolabe. <laughs> I mean, basically they're like, okay, sunset's in the west... And my weird feelies about the magnetic <laughs> field say that, like, this direction is based on north and then magnetic field feelings. I know where I'm supposed to go to go back to, like, wherever I'm migrating to. Wow. 
Um, and known colloquially as a spidey sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bats got a lot of spidey senses. So they might do this through what are basically little magnetic nanoparticles. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> called free-floating magnetite crystals. What? <laughs> okay, now we're just talking about a Star Trek conceit. Um, well, you throw them and dilithiums into your fucking... So you can make certain kinds of nanoparticles that have iron in them. Cool. And they will naturally align themselves to magnetic fields. If they're allowed to move. So can we just throw that shit in our brain? And then I'll be like... It'd be a question of if our brain figures out how to interpret Interpret it. Right. Like all these things humans could do if our brain wasn't shit. (laughs) Well, actually, uh, in our Mind Machine Interface episode, we discussed the idea of if we did get really good at communicating electric signals to our brain, maybe you could have those nanoparticles outside your brain, but just a fucking USB shunt into your brain. Maybe you could interpret those. One of our best episodes, guys. My machine (laughs) interface. Fucking listen to it. So what I will say is that I don't think... I looked for a lot of papers on this. I haven't found any paper where somebody took a bat brain and found these fucking nanoparticles. But if you had some nanoparticles in your brain, Sean, (laughs) you would have found those papers. So I think one of the interesting things is that there are some papers where they've tested bats on their spatial maps and how those correspond to magnetic fields, right? Like they'll have bats in sort of an area where they basically will fly there in the dark to get some food or something like that, right? And then that next night, they'll apply an artificial magnetic field. What? That shifts the field like 90 degrees. What? You just use electromagnets. It's not hard to set up a fake magnetic field. Oh, the experiment does that. Yeah, the experiment does that. I was like, and bats make an artificial electromagnetic field, and you're like, what is happening? So the experimenter set up this magnetic field, right. and then the bats will fly the wrong direction that's so, by 90 degrees. That's so rude. So it does seem like bats are maybe picking up on some of this Right, stuff. right, right. Okay, wow. I'm brain blown. Matt's fucking got magnets in their brain. Bats fucking yell and shit and click to go find their prey. <laughs> yeah. Bats have wings, and they breathe through rings. So the last one uh, that I want to say in terms of bat perception is that vampire bats seem to have the ability to sense infrared heat. Holy shit. So they got heat sense. Just like Dracula. Just like some snakes. Snakes do that too? Yeah, you know, the snake little uh, tongue, like, kind of thing. They got the little thing going on. That's an infrared sensor? Yeah. How does an infrared sensor work? Not to sound like a total ignorant asshole, but that's like my thing. How does does that, what, how? So one potential way of doing it is to have nerves that have sort of proteins in them. Okay, and the proteins will change their shape based off of the temperature that they're at. This actually happens when proteins denature, for example, right? When you cook an egg, right? it's the proteins changing shape because of the temperature. And so you have proteins and the way that their structure is, is they'll change shape at some kind of threshold temperature. And then you have those guys and you keep the neuron area a little bit cooler than the rest of your body. Okay. And then if there's any heat source nearby. Right. Those proteins, some of them will start turning, and then the receptor will pick up on that and send neural signals. So fucking bats do that too. Yes, yes. So they have this bundle of nerves in an area by their noses, and it's kept slightly cool. That's why they're so cute. Yeah. Well, vampire bats are probably one of the uglier bats in my opinion, but whatever. Blood suckers! (laughs) So they have these little bundles of nerves with these little proteins on there, and... Basically, they're a variant of trigeminal nerves, which we have also. Usually in us, they're used for a lot of different sensations in the face, including pain from high temperature. So we have 
some temperature sensing is just usually the Bernie kind. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, ah! yeah. By then, right. it's already too late. Right, so it's kind of like they have specially tuned versions of that kept at a slightly cooler temperature so they can tell when they're close to something warm. Fuck, dude, bats are crazy. Yeah. So, that's what we got for bat perception. I think we should take a break. Yeah. But not only are bats awesome as individuals, bats together form a complex oikos, a community <laughs> in ancient Greek philosophy. Yes, and we'll talk about it when we get back. The following is an actual advertisement. If you enjoy space adventures featuring brave and competent astronauts... If you enjoy podcasts that are culturally sensitive... I've been labeling stuff aboard the ship with post-its so she can learn our language. I speak English, you bloody... If you enjoy shows with sophisticated humor... Well, that's just rude. It's her spacesuit. Then you may not want to listen to Oz9. But if you simply enjoy giggling... Oh, <laughs> you anglers, so snooty about all the everythings. Oz9 may be the show for you. Get it wherever you find the other shows you like to put in your ears. That title is spelled O-Z-Numeral-9. You could certainly do worse. Okay, guys, we're back with Petri Dish. Apparently, bats are very social animals. Sean, tell me about bat society. Yeah, so as we mentioned at the start of the last episode, there's a lot of bat species. There's like 1,200 bat species, and nearly all of them live in some kind of group situation. Sure, there's no moose bat. This is like doing its own thing in Canada. <laughs> right, right. And in some cases, it's like a dozen buddies hanging out. But in other cases, it can be huge groups of like millions of bats living right. in the same cave in a big society. Everything from Liechtenstein to China. Right, and they experience a lot of different kinds of relationships with each other, like romantic relationships. Some Whoa. bats are monogamous, and then other bats are quote-unquote monogamous couples where both of them like cheat on each other. That's pretty funny. <laughs> and then some of them are in like polyamorous sex groups. Just sexy bunga bats. bunga just <laughs> fucking... <laughs> And just trying to figure out their lives, you know? Polyamory. <laughs> Some, one bat has, like, a bunch of tiger beetles, and it just fucks all the other bats that it has to watch over its tiger beetles. Yeah, there's one bat feeding the other bats meth to make them love them. God damn. Anyway. What a fruitful show for us. <laughs> so even though bats can fly really far, a lot of them seem to prefer living close to where they were born and grew up. Okay? Okay. And just like us. <laughs> we're like two little bitty bats that flew off and then came back home right and a lot of bats like to kind of mark down both mates and who's in their crew they'll use smell okay to kind of get a little stank out there yeah they can use that as sort of like a perfume pheromone kind of situation to attract mates just like justin bieber <laughs> these stinky, <laughs> i don't know if that's true <laughs> these stinky concoctions are usually kind of like body odor secretions plus spit plus piss. Gross. So they kind of rub up on each other. So they get like sex panther. And just yeah. like throw it all over the place. Exactly. It's fucking gross. By the way, we're from LA. The context is that we left LA but then came back. Yeah. That's sure. why we're like little bitty bats. Yeah. Okay. I mentioned that earlier. I want the audience to have context. I got you. Our personalities are a lot of what draw people in, Sean. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> people want to know like who are these guys but they don't want to know too much because that kind of mystery adds a lure to the pod. Yeah, it's either all one way or the other. It either draws them in or sends them running away. I think and that's and we only want the most devoted children of God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So here's the thing. 
This next chunk of information is more specifically about vampire bats, which right. have a whole bunch of weird shit about themselves. Talked about all those lame-ass insectivore and fruit bat fuckers. Let's talk about vampire bats. And vampire bats, the segue into this is they're actually a very good example of bat society, okay? Vampire bats are very social, or at least the females are. The male vampire bats actually set up their little territories, huh. and they have like little little harems, and they're like... All of my harem female bats are going to be mine, but then I don't want any other male bats around. So male bats will like often stake out territories, but female bats will live in these groups and they'll actually help out each other a lot. They'll regurgitate up blood for their family and friends to eat because vampire bats eat blood. Gross. They also keep a close eye out for freeloading bats because you imagine if you're in a society where it's like, oh, I'll help you out, you know, if you help me out. And the thing about vampire bats is that hunting is very difficult. So a lot of them fail on any given night. Right. But they're bats, and like we said, it's very energy intensive. Right. Bats cannot go without food for very long. Right. And so what that means is that successful bats will help out their family members and friends. What about freeloading bats? Right, exactly. And so bats, like, fucking keep an eye on each other. They, like, watch to see, like, did you even try to hunt, bro? Like <laughs> Very Republican bats, these vampire bats. And so if bats fail enough times... Just bloodsuckers just like real-life Republicans. <laughs> God, God damn it. <laughs> and so these ladies that are hanging out in groups of 10 to 20 will kind of keep a lookout and... With their friends and everything. The, hey, yeah. you have a beginning of blood. Yeah, like fucking get off your ass and get out there. So why are vampire bats a thing if like they're shittier than other bats? Why would you be a vampire bat if like there's all these other sources of energy? <laughs> it's kind of a good question. Because frankly, there's only, I think, three species of mammal that drink blood. Yeah. And they're all vampire bats. Oh, I thought it was like vampire bat, something, and then like Romani. <laughs> no, you can't do it. Just kidding. <laughs> so there's three species of mammal that drink blood. Sure. They're all vampire bats. It speaks to how much vampire bats model sucks that all 1,197 other bat species don't do blood. Well, it's kind of interesting because on one hand, I don't know, you might think like, oh, maybe blood is actually a good food or something like that. But it's not. It's really not. And so there's a few reasons why. First of all, it's relatively low on carbs, vitamins, and fats. Like all the shit you need. Right. In that all of those things usually go into the tissues and muscles and shit. Right. And get used by the actual cells that they're supposed to get used by. Your blood is just a transport mechanism. Damn. Things don't hang out there for very long. So (laughs) carbs, vitamins, fats are low. And it's high on salt and somewhat high on protein. Okay, which means that diet-wise, it's pretty bad for you. Yeah. It'd be like eating bacon. No, because it doesn't even have the fats. It'd be like eating lean bacon or something. It's, it's just really Turkey bacon. <laughs> it sucks. I'll be goddamned if I eat turkey bacon. What and, were we talking about? And so the thing is that vampire bats can't actually do it on their own. They rely very heavily on their microbiome to help them turn blood into something that they can actually live off of. It's beautiful. So the microbiome, the bacteria that are hanging out in their microbiome will eat a lot of the blood and then secrete out carbs and fats for them. So vampire bats, it's really more vampire microbiome Yes. in a fucking bullshit desperate bat. They would not make it if it weren't for their microbiome. They would Isn't that not true of humans, to... though? Like, aren't we very complimentary with our gut microbiome? I think definitely people don't do very well without our microbiome. But, but like... I guess, I guess, like, when you antibody a dude and... You get rid of all the yeah, microbiome. Yeah, you, you can survive. Yeah, it just kind of blows. Yes. You poop shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I do think it's an interesting question of, like, how did this particular evolutionary direction get started? But certainly, 
vampire bats are doing okay. It's just, it's kind of a hard life. I mean, you might ask the same question about like pandas or something like that. Sure, there's all sorts of shitty animals. Yeah. I have a theory about it. We always talk about Sodom, but what about Gomorrah? I think all the people in Gomorrah (laughs) were turned into vampire bats. Yeah. Uh, like the priests and all the denizens were turned into their microbiome. I don't know how this happened. <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, yeah, like, the, total insanity. Yeah, this is one of the more impressive non sequiturs I've ever A heard. A fuck to shit pile of caca. Holy Did you ever watch that YouTube video? It's about Sodom and Gomorrah. It's a Neely comic. And what happened? Okay, it's uh, minute 40, guys. We gotta go. Well, anyway, we ended on vampire bats, but overall, bats do all kinds of weird and crazy shit. That's awesome. And it's pretty cool. I think that they serve a really important part of ecosystems in general. And they probably help people out more than they hurt, except for in circumstances where we've started to really butt up against their environment. And in those cases, there's been a lot more diseases jumping around. If you're going to butt a bat, you're going to get some stuff. Yeah. And so I think that in the context of all these diseases and everything, people, I mean, honestly, in the coming decades... This isn't going to be the last disease that hops over. Right. Get used to pandemic, guys. The era of good times is over. And part of our solution should be figuring out better ways to safely interface with the rest of the world, including where bats live. And I think that that as we figure out how to do that better, we're going to see less zoonotic transfer. I mean, it's the same thing with like the deer tick issue, right? Yeah. Check out that past episode. If we keep like building haphazardly into new environments, yeah, that liminal space between the exurbs and that environment is going to be a festering breeding ground of all sorts of gnarly shit that we otherwise would not usually be exposed to. Yeah. So I think that part of the solution moving forward isn't just going to be science on treatments and vaccines and shit. It's the social science of urban development. Yeah, actually. Of conscientious construction. I think so. Yeah. All right. Well, I that, think things too. That was beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So Pull that, off the mask. I'm Greta Thunberg. Ooh. <laughs> You've been working with Greta this whole time. Wow. You don't have a brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thank you to Stacy Song, our sound lord and engineer. Thank you to me, Nathan, and to Sean. Okay, for great science. Am I right? Okay. What a handsome young man. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Thank you to Dad for art. Yes, Brian Allen. And you can sign up on patreon.com slash petri dish for, uh, I mean, if you want to support what we're doing here. Yeah. <laughs> and they do, right? Oh, sure. Thank you to our Patreon supporters who are already Patreon supporters. You guys are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I love you guys. And you can tweet at us at Dish Podcast. Email us at PetriDishPod at gmail.com. I salute you. Have a good, scientastic day. See y'all next time. Dish, 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 dish,